Good evening, everyone. Welcome. So, any any question tonight? Yes. So, I was when we were chanting, I I thought of that uh, anecdote that you told us about uh, Shiva Maharaj. That he had a dream that, of course, he's known as a Shastra Nipuna, scriptural genius, and he had a dream that all his knowledge, all his knowledge was gone, and what he had left was his bhakti. So we know how important understanding Siddhanta is. At the same time, I wonder the importance of that statement of Shudramarsh for us in our practice. Uh, yes, he said, it was near the end of his uh, life. He said that uh, he had a dream and all of his Shastric knowledge, which was considerable, was um, had vanished. And he was left only with his faith. His point Excuse me. In um, in uh, stating that, explaining, relating that kindly to us, was that uh, faith is the actual uh, vehicle for uh, entering um, a uh, a land beyond doubt. No doubt. There's no doubt that we live in a in a realm of, of doubt and question. And I often liken human life itself in comparison to other less complex forms of life uh, a uh, a question human life is is a question mark it's the uh, form of life where the where life has become complex enough biologically speaking psychologically speaking complex enough to ask why why rather than how how ask about uh, purpose, meaning, value, and so forth, all of which consciousness is, is a unit of, and, uh, and, and matter only matters if it matters to us. Its purpose uh, is, is, is derived from consciousness reflecting on it. So the value, the meaning, the purpose... Uh, the why of things lies in um, in uh, in consciousness, which is in human life. The idea, understanding of Vedanta is coming to the fore, while the complexity of the form is greater. Uh, the task uh, at hand is greater as well. To answer the why, the meaning, purpose, and um, and so. Um, if we should inquire as to the purpose of life, the meaning, and so forth, um, and, and where will we get the answer? Where will the answer come from? It's not going to come from nature, material nature, the natural world. Because if the natural world is all quantitative, physical forces, let us say, or um, let's say that for the moment, um, then it's not going to answer a why question. It answers how questions for other species of life. How to eat is answered by nature. Hmm? How to defend yourself is answered by nature. Every species has some defense mechanism, relative as it is, uh, built in, by uh, supplied by nature. How to mate 
is uh, solved for most species. Um, the reason that these simpler questions, these how questions, are lar loom larger for humans from our perspective is humans are not focusing sufficiently on the why question or in such a way that they can get an answer. Hmm? And so not getting the answer to why, then we're left to, to uh, uh, fall short, so to speak, of what human life is designed for and in, 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 in its place um, regress to more or less the pursuit of animal uh, necessities, eat, sleep, mate, um, and defend and be confused about them, for that matter. Um, pursue them at the cost of the well-being of, uh, and the pursuit of that on the part of others and so forth. So, so uh, the, the, uh, if we, what does it mean then to ask that why question successfully? Who should, it begins with who shall we ask? We can't ask nature. Nature is not qualitative, it's quantitative, the, 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 uh, the objective world. Hmm? So <laughs> it has to come from, from, from consciousness itself, which is not like anything in the world. Hmm? The, 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 the material manifestation is not, um, um, I want to say it's not... Uh, experiential in nature it's experienced in nature its nature is to be experienced it's not experiential consciousness is experiential mm -hmm. so we have an experienced reality and an experiential reality mm -hmm. so we have to inquire into our self and our consciousness source if we were to get an answer to the question why so the question why is not going to be answered by going out mm -hmm, and becoming a bigger and more dangerous animal, hmm? but by going within, which is to become peaceful, kind, introspective, and of course there are disciplines over the centuries that have been um, uh, made available through us, to us through sacred texts and lineages, um, uh, following them and so forth. Uh, here I refer to the schools of Vedanta, but it may be the case for any esoteric, ego-effacing spiritual path, of which there are a few. And there are the mystical side. There's the mystical side of of, uh, of Islam, Sufism, for example. And, uh, there's esoteric forms of of Christianity that uh, aren't as readily available today, but certainly were in, were in the past, and and so on and so forth. Um, of course, from my perspective, the closer, the more esoteric they get, the more they start to look like Hinduism. Hmm? Uh, and, and they become nonviolent, they start thinking about reincarnation and these types of things. So you find um, Hinduism, India is kind of the, the mother, ancient mother of, of uh, spirituality in the world. It's the, it's the one place where the miracle of Christ, which was sold pretty well throughout Europe and closed down all the pagan religions whose miracles can compare to coming back from the dead, from, from the from resurrection, right, coming back from the dead. But it didn't sell very well in India. Hmm? A lot of miracles going on there. 
uh, it's a place of ma- magical, mystical, uh, um, supernatural possibilities, right? So, um, so at any rate, to there's a there's a systematic way to inquire within uh, that. And obviously, it, it, this is essentially, in a generic sense, what what yoga is about. It's about the a, a means to demonstrate this theory that consciousness is independent of the biological and psychological um, complex. And so, it's a shutting down of those complexes in terms of their being, their functioning in relation to sense objects in a way that it creates an identity, material identity. In other words, if I'm in through my biological and psychological uh, uh, instruments, uh, tools, I interact with sense objects, part of that interaction is going to be a choosing on my part, but I like some of them, I don't like others. I like this, I don't like that. I feel this is good, that is bad, this is happy, this is sad. And all these determinations of good, bad, happy, and sad that are going on uh, within me are what forms an identity at the same time. You're the way you are because you like that, right? I'm the way I am because I don't like that or I like this. So my likes, my dislikes, my desires is the point. My wants, my sense of my hmm, is connected with my sense of I. Of course, there is nothing that is mine, really, and the I that arises out of it is as vacuous and as temporary and fleeting. Hmm? And so, this, so the yogic idea, of course, is then to turn the focus away from sense objects and this attachment to them that creates a, an identity and connection with them that can't endure any more than they can, because the whole objective world, as much as we think it's the real world, we also say, and readily, it's here today and gone tomorrow. So, <laughs> well, how real is it? It's you know we say our dreams aren't real sometimes because it just well it just came and went really fast. So it's coming and going really fast in the objective waking state as well. It's a little longer than the dream straight state, but over the bigger picture, it's it's pretty much here today and gone tomorrow or tonight. Mm-hmm. Right here at dawn, gone at. At dusk, it's constantly in flux and changing. So how can we expect to get firm footing in relation to uh, build a house on that you know kind of shaky uh, foundation? Hmm? It's constantly moving. The terrain is constantly changing. So meanwhile, what's changing, as I sometimes say, our identity changes as it changes. Hmm? So sometimes I think I'm this, sometimes I think I'm that. This or that. I think I'm um, a man, I may change and think I'm a woman. It happens today. Um, and make an arrangement to, 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 uh, to change that. Uh, that's a, a, a radical uh, change, that I was this, now I'm that. Or I could be an American and uh, I could uh, decide to leave the country and be an, the, what they call an expatriate and uh, and uh, give up my passport and so forth. And then I could be a a, uh, a, a um, an Indian or a German or whatever may be the case, right? So I, that's another 
identity. Identity changing is constantly going on. And I'm constantly thinking, I'm this, I'm that. And that is particularly the case in modern industrial society, where the sense of who I am materially is really like open forever. Hmm? To the extent that it's a problem, while it's thought to be the solution and the freedom that we're all seeking. Millions and millions of choices. Hmm? There's all the freedom that you have. You, have to, you could choose. I mean, you could anything. Go want to buy anything. There are hundreds of them, all different and nuanced. And this is what modern technology is producing. Uh, and science is drawing from nature some facts, putting it in the hands of technicians, creating gizmos and gadgets to give us freedom. Hmm? In one sense, more more choices. That's the that's the really the you, you can see that this is very dominant um, in the um, advertising uh, community appealing to our psychology. This is all uh, uh, speaking to the need or the sense that people have that they want to be free, which indicates that they're they're in some type of less than free condition. They're in some of some bondage and limited uh, space that they don't feel comfortable in. Hmm? But however you adjust that material space, it's it's um, our perspective is is not going to quite fit. There's a carrot that's just around the corner. By acquiring this, a little bit more acquisition, cha- get a change wives, change husbands, change the, whatever may be the case, and I'm going to be, I'm going to get a full meal, but it's really all simply appetizers, which ends only in digestion, hmm? indigestion, I should say, indigestion, hmm? and and at the same time, the search for this kind of freedom is natural because self is not bound by birth, by death, which are really the larger problems that we're trying to solve: freedom from death. Choose this, choose that, and now this big thing is you know you put rich people put their money in these aging, anti-aging you know possibilities provided by science, medicine, and so forth. It's a big, big industry. Or freezing you know your your body afterwards and uh, and so forth. So nothing's changed. Everybody wants to live forever. There's a, there's thought to be a myth that you could live forever and go to heaven. Hmm? A myth. It's not any, but those who are critical in this way of such ideas are themselves chasing the myth of modern science, which is to, you know, go to the robotic nirvana, hmm? where, (laughs) to first of all, to demonstrate that humans are only machines, there's nobody really in there. hmm? We can tweak the machine in such a way that it's 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 not going to. uh, um, succumb to the same uh, problems that the f- present physical body succumbs to. So we we we, we build make a robotic. Um, who wants to go there? Do a robotic heaven? You want to be a robot in heaven? Does it matter where? Uh, so anyway, the, the the pursuit of enduring life um, uh, hasn't disappeared at all. Hmm. In, uh, in in modern society, so our perspective is this is all looking for uh, what is natural and inherent within us, but in the wrong 
place. So the idea is to look within that less is more and so on, these type of mystical, not irrational, but transrational ideas. Ideas that pick up where reason leaves off. By reason, it would seem that by giving, you would have less. That's the math of it, right? If I have 10, I give away 5, I have less. But the experience of giving is that we have more. We can't hold it up and show somebody, i got more, see? But they can see it in us. They can see it in a kind of intangible but palpable way, nonetheless, that he's, she's more full, more complete. The givers are more full. So this is means that life proceeds in a way that transcends reason. Hmm? Which means that reason is not the vehicle unto itself by which we can achieve the get, get the answer to the question of why I am, my purpose, and so forth. Reason alone is not sufficient. Hmm? That's why I say faith is the vehicle. Hmm? And reason, which is often thought to be something that does away with faith, is really only most beautiful when it decorates and serves faith. When I get this point that reasoning is part of the natural world, which in and of itself can't cater to the necessity that I have being, as I am, something of the supernatural world. I am, the theory is, not constrained by time, by space. I'm of another nature. I'm moving through different species of life. I've come to the human form of life. It's my chance to pursue that. Understand that's what yoga is about, that's what spiritual life is about. And we have many examples in different cross-cultural traditions of saintly people who are pretty fulfilled with regard to that without any need for acquisition, without any need for taking whatsoever, and are filled with a sense of universal compassion for all beings. I mean, what more do you want? How many examples do you need? You need one? Only one. You only need one. And that, that, that it could be done. Which is what everybody's looking for. Everybody wants. Oh, but the, but the way to do it is rather daunting. Well, it should be. I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> It's serious. It's not a, not a cheap thing, but but by that good example hmm, of one or two, or as may be the case, then keep close to such persons. They are like these sadhus, like lighthouses in the night, hmm, speaking to us afloat, adrift in the ocean of material existence, telling us there's a shore, there's a shoreline. It's here. Stand. You can stand here. You can. You can get on the land, and not only that, you can move within it, and there's so many things going on there compared to the <laughs> to the, the, the drowning condition you find your, yourself in. Hmm? So, um, so Shudramars is saying there that 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 while we need reasoning to acquire scriptural knowledge. This is a place for reasoning, right? Krishna in the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, you're familiar with it. At the end of the Gita, Krishna says, those who study this sacred conversation between myself and Arjuna, upside, downside, inside, outside, 
from every direction, understanding the words and so forth, and, and, and looking deeply into this, what this is all about. They worship me with their intellect. They worship me with their reason. Hmm? Then this is an instance of reason then assisting the self in its its uh, its its faith. Faith is faith is not something that in modern society sometimes thinks. Oh, faith is a deviation from reason. And I mentioned that earlier. I'll go into it a little further. Faith is really the animating principle in life. If you don't have faith, you can't move forward. Hmm? You're going to be suspended. Suspicion leads to suspension. Hmm? Faith animates us. Hmm? So here we have a world that is proceeding with caution. It's a world of doubt, reservation, questions unanswered. Hmm? And you're listening to me and go, maybe, I don't know. So it's good. Use your your intellect like that. If I can capture it and freeze it for a moment, then we could get to your heart and give it the needed surgery and massage that that is is required. It should rule over the head. Head should be used to soften the heart. Hmm? Not not to do away with the heart. We need to be reasonable and objective, but we don't want to become like Dr. Spock. We need a heart, too. Head should assist the heart, right? Just to use a simple bodily example. The head could die, but the heart could could, could still continue, right? Oh, use your head to soften your heart. This is the spiritual idea. and 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 that means to grow through reason, the faith in derived from good association that there are answers to the questions that are uh, to be acquired by moving in a in a in a very different way than I've been moving for my whole life and for many lifetimes is the theory I'm moving outward with the idea that by acquiring more I will become more by taking I'll become safer bigger stronger, happier. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's not, you haven't been. <laughs> how happy are you? Hmm. Uh, how happy do you want to be? Hmm. Is there any limit to that? So how close are you then? Yeah, I'm not too close to unlimited happiness. I'm not too close to that. And I've been going out about it in a certain way. So maybe a radical approach to that needs to be considered. A very radical... And this is, again, this going from taking to giving in a systematic way for going within and, and, and drawing on the wealth of the self that can be shared hmm, in a way that acquisition can't be shared without diminishing it. Hmm? My own position and my own, my own stock. Hmm? So, so uh, we're all moving according to our faith. There is a well-reasoned idea coming from the sacred text, from from Vedanta, for example, that um, that that as there is a world of doubt where we're moving with caution and somewhat suspended, we're not our animation is not free. It's like let me give you an example. If you're home at home 
with friends and everything, and then you're just relaxed and and everything's good. If you go to the store, you look at the jar. What's inside? Let me read that. What? Who made this? Where did this come from? And so forth. So this is the homeland is where we, we, we're free. We no 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 concerns, no no suspicions, no doubt. If there's a world of doubt, hmm, how can there be a world of doubt if there's not a world of faith? One is the antithesis of the other. Hmm? If there's doubt, there must be faith, and faith means the eradication of the doubt. And here, the eradication of the doubt is that there's a there's a method by which I start to become fulfilled within without taking hmm? by following the example of someone else who's overflowing enough with that to talk about it, to exemplify it, who can't help but talk about it and lives it and breathes it and, 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 and shares it in this way. So it's a kind of a contagious thing. By good association, we, 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 our faith moves in a different way. It's not that we get rid of faith, it moves in a different way. And then our reasoning then is, is employed in the service of that faith to reason about the shortcomings, the limits of reason unto, unto itself as a vehicle for taking me there. Hmm? So with regard to the question, he was a well-reasoned sadhu and he knew the scripture very well. So we have to use, for example, there's an, there's an argument coming from the sacred text to be familiar with that. And I'm speaking of it, you know, in, in broadly here. You can see that becoming acquainted with this kind of argument could 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 compel you to move in the direction of what it's saying. And, and how do I do that? And how, so that knowledge, in our understanding, faith, Shastriya Shraddha we call faith, Shraddha is the Sanskrit term for it. Is it's the kind of faith we're talking about? Is faith derived from the revelation? Faith derived from revelation. In other words, if I want perfect knowledge, by which I could become perfectly happy, which everybody wants. Everybody wants to be perfectly happy. Everybody wants. You could argue then perfect knowledge because any action requires some type of knowledge. Hmm? So I want perfect knowledge so that I can act in such a way that I could be perfectly happy. Hmm? Right? Now some people, everybody does that, but some people say there is no perfect knowledge. Other people say there is perfect knowledge. Now who's crazy? Those who say it doesn't exist but pursue it anyway? For those who say that exists and they pursue it, they're the more reasonable people. Those are the spiritual-minded people. They say that it exists, and and they say that that if you want to acquire perfect knowledge, you require a perfect method. And my sensual mental and intellectual powers are imperfect hmm? under themselves hmm? we don't we have examples from the spiritual school of people that are would appear for all intents and purposes to be perfectly happy for example sitting in a cave for 50 years with no want it would look pretty 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 fulfilled type of a person right now, on the other side of it, no spiritual discipline uh, involved, no faith in it at all, 
in the idea, still pursuing perfect happiness, do we have any examples to, that we could compare? Obviously, there's no one that could uh, you know, compare. So, 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 if we want perfect knowledge, we need a perfect method. And this is the perfect method. Because it is, a, it is an appeal, holding your hands like an appeal, that perfection, out of its perfectness, might reveal itself to the imperfect. To use an argument of Sridhar Maharaj, whom we're talking about, how can the finite know the infinite? To know means to understand, means to, I've got it. Okay? So how can the finite know, capture in the fist of its hand, the infinite? Well, you would say it can't. But if the infinite, out of its infinite ability, chooses to reveal itself to the finite, then the finite could know. In other words, if the finite gets a grant from the infinite, to, then it can exceed its own limitations. So the finite can know the finite, infinite. If the fi- infinite wants itself to be known, then all, then all then all the impossibilities of the finite world are transcended. So perfect knowing is to invite the infinite to position myself in such a way that I might attract the infinite to reveal. Uh, himself to me. So this is a non-effort effort because we are all pretty imperfect. Hmm. So let's say you have a little girl, a young girl, say a six-year-old girl, and the father is, is um, well, to use an older example, let's say he's a, a king hmm, and he's going off to uh, to war on his horse. There's, a, there's a, some issue Right, and so she says, you know, Dad, I, you know, I want to ride in the horse. I want to ride in the horse. <laughs> no, no, you got. I'm on the horse. I want to ride in the horse, and I'm riding off to the battle. And it's, but she's just so charming in her plea for the impossible. She can't ride the horse, and I can't, you know, that he gets off the horse and he gets down on his hands and knees and says, "Get on my back," and he becomes a horse. Hmm? So the infinite can become like this. Hmm. This is bhakti. Hmm. To, in relation to the finite, if the finite understands its finiteness and starts to act accordingly and says, help, hmm. you that's a sign of strength. If you really understand your position, then you really know you really need help. Hmm. Then you're in a strong position. Hmm. Let's take at least another example. If we have a positive, let's say that God is a positive magnet like powerful. Hmm. Now, positive magnet in relation to a magnetic flake that also has a positive charge will push that magnetic flake away. But if that magnetic flake has a negative charge, it will quickly come in. Hmm. So our position is to move in a negative way, in a backward way, not to push my way and take over and storm the gates of heaven, so to speak, because of my qualities, the power of my reason, Hmm? (laughs) or whatever it it may be. Hmm? Currency from this side is, 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 um, what do you say, is um, counterfeit. It's counterfeit currency. You cannot, currency bought 
acquired from a land where everything is impermanent, has no power to purchase hmm, real estate in a land that's permanent. Hmm? Right? Hmm. So, we, we, when I say negative, I mean to be humble, hmm? like this. Then the positive is attracted, and very quickly you can, you can go. Hmm? So now, now in doing that, we can use our reason to serve that journey, right? Use our reason to serve that reason about why we should, and because we, we, it's a long journey, and there are going to be distractions along the way because we've been moving in a different direction at a pretty rapid pace for a long time. And now we're supposed to, it all sounds great. So now walk out of here and do that. Well, that's another thing. I mean, I've got to go to work. I've got to, somebody's on the phone calling me and, uh, and I've got so many distractions and, and so forth. So how will I do that? So keep good company, keep coming back, keep hearing. And then I'm appealing, for example, in a talk like this to, to your reason that you might not be unreasonable but that you use your reason to transcend its own limits hmm, by, by, by understanding further the argument of the sacred texts that are, is offered just to help you get beyond uh, where you could go by the power of reason. And if you try to enter there with reason alone, you'll be repelled. Hmm? Let's say, for example, you hold a court. Let's have a court. Let's pick 12 people, be the jury. And we'll say, if God exists, let's let him come before the jury and you know demonstrate that he exists, and then we'll weigh in on him. He's not going to show up in the court. Even the Atma won't show up. Let's speak of the Paramatma, our source. It's beneath his, uh, his, his dignity. If the reason and the senses demand hmm, that, in, that God appear before me on my terms, then God would be under the, would be lesser than reason and senses. The whole argument, theistic argument, is that the Godhead transcends our reason and our, our sense um, abilities and so forth. And that's good because they're very limited. They're, they're part of the cage that we find ourselves in. Hmm? The web that we've woven and are, you know, now, now stuck in. So, 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 as we take the journey of spiritual practice with good guidance and so forth, we're compelled to use our reasoning to understand further. As I'm, as we're talking here, these types of arguments, because that will help give us strength to pursue the path, which is, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, it's a long path; it could take some time. Hmm? But happily, we'll go there with such encouraging words and examples and ideas and association of others, and so forth. And so, Pujapatshidamarshi was a very learned person So, with regard to the scriptural argument. He was well learned in that. But his point in his uh, revealing that, that, that dream to us is that the purpose of acquiring spiritual knowledge, for example, like say scriptural knowledge, is to serve the faith which itself is the vehicle by which I can go there. Because the faith that we have in going there, where does it come from? It comes from there. Here we're in a world of doubt, so there's a world of faith. If a ray of that faith comes here and touches us, then we need to culture that. Right? 
So now we use our reason to culture that. And then when it's all said and done, the value of my scriptural knowledge will be determined by how much my faith has been cultured because that's the vehicle. Hmm? So there's a possibility of kind of an intellectual uh, deception that we can um, be involved in with regard to our own self. That is, we can acquire knowledge from the scripture and talk to other people and convince them and only in such a way as to increase our false ego. Hmm? And not in a way to change myself. These are all discussions are meant for changing yourself because you're not happy anyway. So you might have to change. The course you're going isn't working entirely. Or the course you're on, which is the right course, you need help on. Hmm? You need to change. And do it like this. And so you can hear and, and a good association and get some insight like this. Hmm? Um, and so the measure, the test, uh, the point is, of the value of your using your reasoning to understand the scriptural argument is the extent to which that head work is successful, as I said earlier, in softening the heart. Use your head to soften your heart. And so you translate this head knowledge into the practices that are heart practices. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, that is a head practice that's meant for softening the heart so it's, it's connected. Hmm? Christian says, it's the way I'm worshipped by, by your intelligence. Hmm? Chanting, for example, is, 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 not a, is not a rational exercise. It's not irrational. It's, it's, not, it's, it's a transrational exercise. You can, you can kind, of, kind of transcendentalize or spiritualize your intellect in the ways I'm talking about, as Krishna has said in the Gita that I've cited. Hmm? But the extent to which you've actually done that, again, is demonstrated by, by how much your faith has grown. So he found himself in the dream. All my scriptural knowledge was gone, and I had only my faith. And the point he was making to us is that this is the purpose of gathering this knowledge and sharing it with others, and that the faith may grow which is then the animating force, as I said earlier. So if my faith has grown in relation to this practice, and I can practice this with greater uh, commitment, force, and so forth, and, and be um, successful as he was. Does that help? Does that answer your question? Yeah, so um, good question. Good, nice, very nice point that he rose. It's nice to play it out and see what the, the implications of that uh, dream were. Hmm? What else? What's the time? 722. 722, yes. Um, <clears throat> in the Brihad Bhagavatam, Muni was praying that he said, please grant that no one will ever feel he has enough of your mercy, your devotional service, or pure love for you, the reservoir of ec ecstasy. So, um, so this inverse relationship between spiritual advancement and humility um, seems to be kind of the theme of that whole first part. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes when we hear, you know, great personality sadhus speaking, self-effacing, um, the great, you know, um, 
saying, you know, self-deprecation. Um, we think, oh, they're just saying that for teaching. They don't really feel like that. Um, but it seems that, I mean, Shurmara said that once, that those who think they have, they don't really have. And those who say they have. So that, again, the inverse relationship between humility and spiritual advancement. If you could just say something about that. Yeah, I mean, briefly, it's uh, it said those who say they know Brahman don't know Brahman. Those who say they don't know Brahman, they know Brahman. Unknowable. So, if the finite comes close to the infinite, it's going to feel finite. So, the more I feel finite and in incapable, so to speak, or in or, or uh, well, finite in the, the the closer I am, in one sense, to the to the infinite. If I'm on the course, hmm? it's natural. What is the infinite? And the closer I come, the more I feel what it means to be to be finite. But it's but it's all right, because the infinite is infinitely affectionate, hmm? and it's okay to be small, hmm? and it's an easy way to go. Trying to be big is the whole problem. <laughs> it's okay to be small. And there's somebody that's big that makes it okay, and there's no there's no bullying going on there. Hmm? So uh, it's something like that. The closer I come to the finite, the more I feel infinite. The more I feel the finite, hmm? and and the more the infinite will try to bridge the gap too. That's that's another thing. That's a, that's a devotion um, applies or plays out in different in different in different realms, but. In general, hmm. yes, that's the, uh, the natural uh, feeling. So that that kind of humility and self-deprecation, in itself, is evidence of knowing. I've given an example, but some people haven't heard it, so I'll I'll say it again briefly as I can. We have a book called the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is since thought to be the hub around which all these sacred texts of the Hindus um, revolve and are understood in, in relation to. In, to be understood in context, and so um, there was a man, and he sent his son to Banaras, which is a learning capital of India, to get an education from Vrindavan, from the place of Krishna's uh, uh, appearance, and so forth. The son went to Banaras, and he came back, and the father said, "So, did you get an education?" And he said, "Yes." He said, "What did you study?" I studied this book. I studied that book, and so forth. And, and the father said, "Did you study Srimad Bhagavatam?" He said, "I don't think uh, that was on the list." I don't think so. So then the father said, well, then you didn't get an education. If you study Srimad Bhagavatam alone, then you'll have an education. So he sent his son back to Benares to study the Bhagavatam. So then he studied, he came back, and his father said, have you, uh, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. Hmm. And father said, did you understand? He said, yes, I understood Srimad Bhagavatam. And I see that there was no need for any other book, really. And father said, so you understood? Yes. He said, then go back to Benares and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. <laughs> so with some confusion, but following the mandate of his father, he returned to Benares. He studied the Bhagavatam the second time. He came back. Father said, so did you study the second time? He said, yes. Did you? And he said, yes. And now, after studying twice, I see why you sent me back. First time, I thought I understood. I didn't. Now I've gone back a second time and studied the book. And it's a whole, it's like I never read it before, practically. Father said, oh, excellent. So now you've, have you understood Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes, now I've understood. 
So, of course, the father said, go back <laughs> to Banaras to study Srimad Bhagavatam. So, again, he went to Srimad Bhagavatam. After Banaras, again, he studied, again, he came back. Father said, did you study a third time? He said, yes. He said, did you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, Father, I can't understand Srimad Bhagavatam. <laughs> he said, now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. Now you're an educated person. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a truth, a reality that doesn't fit between our ears. Hmm? It can't be captured in the fist of our intellect. And that's good. Hmm? Because the intellect, as we said earlier, is not an instrument that is capable unto itself hmm, to uh, serve as a vehicle hmm, to go even to the to the atma, to the, to the soul, if you want to, want to speak of its source. So humbly, we'll try to proceed in that direction. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Sriladamadava ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Vanshakal Patarubhyas Chakri Prasandu Vyeva Chakri Patitanam Bhavani Vyoshna Vibhanamunamam.